Hallelujah for this time of worship and for the way that God's Holy Spirit has already caught us up and uh, struck fire in our bones. I don't know about you all, but those worship songs uh, that take us back to the church um, and, and give us some of that old time religion as they called the first song. I was expecting the hymn, give me that old time religion, but no, 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 that's that old time religion where the Holy Spirit has its way and uh, where we're all in one accord. And so I'm just grateful for this time of worship so far. I want to say thank you to those who have helped put this service together so far. Um, um, for all of you who are showing up Sunday after Sunday on this virtual sanctuary to praise God and to get your blessing. So I pray that as we move on, you'll continue to get your blessing today. And I ask that you would join me in prayer in preparation for the message. Amen. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We're grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the service one more time. Lord, you woke us up this morning, gave us the gift of breath and the ability to open our eyes and to show up today, oh God. And so we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask as we are um, hearing the word that you would let your voice be heard, oh God, that your message, Lord, uh, will come through loud and clear um, through any, any of my human failings, Lord, that your voice will be heard. And through any of our human failings, as we listen, that your voice and your message will be heard and received. Lord God, let your Holy Spirit, continue to have its way, oh God, and not only let it blow through the house, Lord, but let it shake us up today, oh God, um, and set us in the place that you have for us to be. Lord, we lift this up in the name of Jesus, your beloved son, who also loves us dearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Today's message is called Don't Miss the Message. Amen. And I'm going to be keeping it real in this message, you all. And it might, it might rub you the wrong way in some points. And if it does, just give me a call. We can talk about it. <laughs> um, that's all right. But I want you to open your hearts and open your minds um, because we've got some serious talking to do about where we are. Amen. As a, a church, a general church, uh, where we are as the black church, uh, per se, and some some thinking to do about how it is that we can show up for this journey and for the call of discipleship as Christ has shown us and called us to do. Amen. So we're going to look at this scripture from Mark today. Our scripture is the, the focal scripture is Mark 3, 20 through 35. And I also want to read the message version. You know how uh, sometimes we can read our favorite version of the Bible. It might be the NIV. It might be the King James version. I've, I've stopped reading the King James version long ago, but sometimes that's the favorite version to read. Um, 
And so, you know, sometimes we read the Bible and we come away from our reading not fully having understood the message of the scripture. Sometimes it's the language, sometimes it's just the, the heaviness of the scripture and it's packed with words and thoughts that we have to try to piece together. And so I often use the Message Bible translation because it kind of breaks it down for me and helps me to understand the heart of the message. But I have to say, even, even with the, King, uh, with the uh, Message Bible sometimes, even studying the cultural context and the historical facts, around Israel and the Jewish culture and, and, and society, um, the Bible can still be confusing and can leave somebody walking away feeling like they missed the message. We're not going to do that today, amen? We're going to start with the message version of this scripture. And it says the following. Jesus came home, and as usual, a crowd gathered. So many, so many making demands on him that there wasn't even time to eat. His friends heard what was going on and went to rescue him by force, if necessary. They suspected he was believing his own press. The religious scholars from Jerusalem came down, spreading rumors that he was working black magic, using devil tricks to impress them with spiritual power. Jesus confronted their slander with the story. Does it make sense to send a devil to catch a devil? To use Satan to get rid of Satan? A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. If Satan were fighting Satan, there soon wouldn't be any Satan left. Do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. Listen to this carefully. I'm warning you. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. But if you persist in your slanders against God's Holy Spirit, you are repudiating the very one who forgives. Sawing off the branch on which you're sitting, serving by your own perversity, all severing by your own perversity, all connection with the one who forgives. He gave this warning because they were accusing him of being in league with evil. Just then, his mother and brothers showed up. Standing outside, they relayed a message that they wanted a word with him. He was surrounded by the crowd when he was given the message. Your mother and brothers and sisters are outside looking for you. Jesus responded, who do you think are my mother and brothers? Looking around and taking in everyone seated around him, he said, right here, right in front of you, my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister, and mother. May God add a blessing to the reading of the word. So the heart of this sermon is not missing the message. And it's apparent that the folks in our scripture passage have. They're not alone in our society today. It's no secret that we're prone to miss the importance of some of the messages that we receive. 
Amen. And I'm thinking in particular, what came to mind as I was writing this sermon is the message Black Lives Matter slash Black Girls Matter. We did this um, talk and this study not long ago on Push Out. And there are still so many people that just say and seem not to understand why we would say, why Black folk would start a movement and call it Black Lives Matter instead of all lives matter. And the suggestion by um, what I want to say in general, not, not everyone, but in general, white evangelical Christianity suggests that this statement is derogatory or racist in reverse. I don't know if y'all heard that one before. Um, I have to be honest, I, I, there's times when I think to myself, is it even possible for so many people to have missed this message? Uh, are people honestly believing that they are spiritually sound and saying all lives matter rather than black lives matter? It can't be that hard. This is what I think to myself. Thank God I'm not God. But it can't be that hard to understand that Black folks adopted this saying as a cry and a demand for mercy and equality, equity, and justice. But for reasons unknown to me and maybe unknown to you, thousands of people miss this message. I stopped trying to figure it out, and I have pretty much decided that it's like that Tootsie Roll commercial. The world may never know how this message has been lost on so many people. One thing we can concede, I would have to say, is that um, the people in our scripture the people who are gathering around Jesus as um, they are trying to get a meal in are oppressed and people who have varying social status and even the leaders of the church are there and they don't seem to have any better grasp on what is coming through to them as a message from God. They seem not to have any better understanding of this gospel that Jesus brings to them than the white evangelical church does today. They're unaware, and especially in our passage today, they are um, unsuspecting of who Christ is and what he is bringing to the world. So, you know, hey, if you are a white evangelical who doesn't get it, or if you're Black or Asian or Native American, or you have somehow found yourself missing the message of the gospel, though you're faithful and you want to do what's right, hang in there. God still loves you. Jesus does too. Um, don't be ashamed. You know, we're going to admit the truth and move on ahead. That's a start. We're taking baby steps. We're getting the message. Amen. So in our scripture, Jesus, Jesus who has been healing and performing miracles and who's done his best to escape and get away from the crowds who cannot stop searching for him and who don't stop reaching for him and who um, are desperate to be touched by him. Um, um, he's come into this space where the folks know him well. This is his hometown. This is his community. They know him well. These are people who have seen him grow from a child into a young man. 
These are people who have nurtured him in the faith and listened to him recite in the synagogue. And they probably had grand dreams and hopes for him being a religious leader that they could be proud of. Somebody they could groom and bring up into leadership in their own image. And I imagine that they had hopes that were very high for this charismatic and oddly wise young man. They dreamed he would bring glory and be a source of pride for the family and the community. Jesus has had a different sort of revelation. Jesus has been groomed by a different leader, the leader, the creator, the maker, the father. Jesus has had um, the power of the spirit of God from on high given to him. And not only has he stopped drinking the Kool-Aid, which has kept people in this slumber around him, but he's now been able to put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. He's realized. And he's been able to articulate that there's a problem with the way things are in society. He's realized that um, there's a problem and that problem is that there are people who are hungry, who've never been invited in to share the meal around the tables of the people in the community. There are people who are sick, who have been shunned and cast out. There are women and children who are being abused and misused. And so he realizes in the heart of this movement and this, this ministry that he's been gifted and called to is uh, that there's a problem with what he is seeing. Jesus realizes in this, in this uh, space and in this season and begins to act upon it that freedom isn't free and not everyone can afford it. People are being overtaxed. Um, folks are being demonized instead of cared for. Um, and people that the community does not understand, including himself, are being run out of town or discredited. And so he does something to affect change. He begins to heal those who are unhealable. He begins to touch those who are untouchable. He stirs the pot and he says, you deserve a little bit of heaven on earth as well. So he's stirring this pot, which is already near to boiling with anger and corruption and inequity and oppression. In today's scripture, Jesus knows who he is. He knows what he's about. He knows he has a message and a plan from God. And the people around him who are being healed and fed and loved, they know that this message is from God too. The word has been spreading like butter on hotcakes, fresh hotcakes right out the pan. Everything is starting to go crazy. Things are chaotic. The religious leaders don't know what to do. His family doesn't know what to do. And this is the place where we have to pause and witness the response of the religious community, which I've been calling the church of Jesus and his family circle. The word says the religious scholars came from Jerusalem spreading rumors that he was working black magic and using devil tricks to impress them with spiritual power. Now we know, first of all, that the church assumed incorrectly 
that Jesus was, uh, that, that, that he was of the devil and, and all the rumors that they spent. We know that they were incorrect in their, um, in their speaking and they were incorrect with spreading the rumors um, and that Jesus truly is of God. We understand that looking back and having the ability to have read the word. We, we know this, but, but they didn't. They assumed that he was of the devil. Um, the church is also jealous, at least in my opinion. This is what I see. Now, if you see something different, you can let me know. The church was jealous of Jesus. And at the same time, I, they must have been terrified of the very real power that Jesus is using to heal and cure the very people they have never had the power, the courage, or the desire to reach. We witnessed the behavior in this passage of the spiritual community, the religious community. And I want to pause here and say that today's church is in a similar predicament. We've known for some time that there's something wrong. Something's not right with the church. Something's not right with the way that we're interacting with society. Why don't folks come in and worship anymore? Well, we can't assume it's the devil and that people are just lost, especially not reflecting on this passage. Could it be that they're like the religious leaders in our scriptures, the church is demonizing Jesus when we encounter him today? Black folks, you know, we have experienced um, some demonization for our faith. We have experienced being outcast and oppressed and told that we are not um, even capable of being spiritual beings by white folks, by white patriarchal society for centuries. Amen. We've been shamed and silenced and rejected for the color of our skin or talking too loudly or being too broad in our bodies and having broad features, being too poor, or having too much self-esteem and pride and keeping it 100, keeping it real with you. As a Black church, we don't have a leg on uh, uh, to stand on if we would try to criticize the behaviors of the white church at this point. We don't have a leg to stand on because through the years, we have created um, a, a, a behavior pattern which ends up having us treat one another in the same way we have been treated by the white church or worse with just different packaging. I'm just keeping it real. We've created and recreated the structure of what church is and does for ourselves. And though we too have seen that it has gotten away from us, we still set it up as holy. I know that the church of Jesus' day, the religious community of Jesus' day, could not have possibly looked anything like our Sunday services on Sunday mornings in 2021. The church of Jesus's day is concerned with keeping out the poor, the sick, the women, those who broke the law of God. And all of these things are measured by human beings in relationships and in positions of power who we can see from our passage today are not fit to judge. But not only did we pick up the judgmental practices of the religious leaders in Jesus' time following the word, 
but we've also picked up the practices that white folks have have exposed us to in in terms of appearance and body shaming when folks come into the church we're like one of the girls in our push out studies a story in our book was talking about how um she was being punished for wearing the same exact clothing that another girl came in wearing but she was thicker and she had a little bit more curves and because of that she was punished and suspended told to go home and change her clothes now i don't want to uh uh dig on us too much but we have been the same sort of oppressive influence on girls and boys and people coming into our congregation and you know you know we all said something like now they know they ain't got no business wearing that I can hear it in my mind. I've said it myself. We have become a part of uh, an oppressive force in so many different ways. Now, that's not to say that this church um, and that the general church doesn't have its bodies that provide um, healing and spaces for sanctuary and nurture and that build people up spiritually. But in general, we must name and own our complicity in oppression of others. Now, there's there's no condemnation in Christ. Um, and, and there's a lot to think about if we're thinking about love being patient and love being kind and long-suffering. And these are all ways in which God, through Christ, has drawn us in and has healed us and uh, extended grace and mercy to us. Amen. So, so we understand there's no condemnation in Christ. But what a world would it be if any church we could walk into, if every church that called themselves followers of Christ would open up their doors with love to any and all who came to the door, what a world would it be? If we all felt loved when we meet around tables, even when we disagree. But the church has missed the message in some ways. Where are the people that we would share the gospel with? Where are the crowds and throngs begging, give us Jesus? They are following Jesus, I think. I'm just going to put it out here. I think they are following Jesus. I think Jesus is calling them, but Jesus may not be calling them inside the circle what, as what is known, uh, of what is known as the church. I read this passage. And as I read this passage today, what I realized is that Jesus was pushed out of the church. Jesus was pushed out of his family. He was not supported by the church and he was not supported by his family, even though I'm sure they were coming to protect him. They were coming to get him and rescue him, they thought. But in all actuality, what Jesus needed for them to do was to say, I believe, I support, I love, I stand with you. How can I help? Amen. They wanted to help, but they thought he was crazy. They wanted to help, but they feared he would die. It's Pride Month. And I know a whole lot of Christian folk don't believe um, that folks in the LGBTQIA community um, are living holy lives. 
and I happen to disagree with you. I, I think about this community and much like the African-American community, which was marginalized and pushed out and oppressed and discriminated against, members of the LGBTQIA community have been treated so horribly by the church. Um, I think about the stories we read about the trans black girls in our push out study who didn't find a place to be at school, who did not have a place to be at family, and who we can all probably admit probably did not find a place to be at church. And I think about them being pushed out of every space that could possibly hold them and keep them and carry them. And I imagine Jesus would be holding up trans black girls and hugging them and walking with them and um, saying to his disciples, no, 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 let them come to me. I imagine that Jesus. Jesus was pushed out of the church. He was pushed out of his family. He didn't find the support that he needed. And so what he does find, the scripture says, who are my mothers and my brothers? These people right here, they are my mothers and my brothers. You know, the people he was pointing at were the sick and the poor and the lame and the rejected and the marginalized of society. He says, they are my brothers. They are my mother. They are my sister. He finds himself in the midst of a crowd of people who see him, who can hold his truth and who have nothing to lose, but everything to gain by believing in the message. Those people that got it, that is his family, he says. There are so many people who have been harmed by the church, my brothers and sisters. You may be one of them. I've been one of them. Um, I, I, my, the harm I've experienced at the hands of the institutional church and specific churches has been happening since I was a little girl. Something led me, not something, the Lord led me to put a post on Facebook on Friday. And in the post, I asked the question, how many of you have been directly or indirectly harmed by a specific church or by the church as an institution. And, and I opened up this space not as a gripe session. And I think everyone who responded understood that. But I opened it up as a space to hold the grief and the pain and the harm that had been experienced at the hands of people who were called to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. And immediately people began responding. And there were people who were clergy who responded. There were people who were uh, like yourselves, maybe sitting in the pews or serving in leadership or working on a ministry who responded. And all of them have been harmed at the hands of folks who either missed the message of what the gospel was supposed to be about or who were harmed because they were not supported and because they were ostracized due to situations that every human being in life encounters. They were not able to fit in. They were not a part. And it, it you know, reminds me of being, being stuck outside of a window, being hungry and, and, and starving for food and smelling the aroma, seeing people eating and laughing and being joyous and happy, but not being able to afford the meal and not being invited to the table. 
the people who have been harmed by the church, those who have not found hope, those who have not um, experienced a community of love are still hurting. They're still looking and Jesus is looking for them. Amen. All of the stories were heartbreaking, even the stories of hope. It's difficult. It's a difficult thing to hear and it's a difficult thing to hold because the question running through the mind is how have we gotten it so wrong? How have we for centuries mixed up this message? And my brothers and sisters, we miss the message sometimes because we, we feel we've got more to something that's more important and powerful than Jesus to lose. Meaning we've set up whatever our position is or our power or our money or our, 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 our uh, agenda. We've set it up and we feel it's working better for us than Jesus does. That's a faith issue. Amen. We miss the message when we believe in our hearts that we are better or more deserving of God's love and favor than someone else. Like a trans black girl who's looking for a place to land. We miss the message when we focus on the wrong things, how we appear to others, instead of what does the heart say? How is the compassion level? We, we miss the message there. We miss the message when we lose our willingness to go the extra mile for people we don't agree with, for people that we're not in community with. We risk the message when we run from change. Now, I'm not preaching at y'all, my brothers and sisters. I am in the same boat. I have harmed people looking for Jesus. I have, have created and been a part of oppression that has silenced the voices of those who just needed a place to speak. I am guilty as well. We are all in the same boat. And I do believe as we are Christian folk and following this walk that Jesus has put us on, that the only thing that can save us is the grace and the love of Jesus. And I don't mean that blind, passive, lukewarm love that allows us to remain untouched by the stories and the pain and the struggle of others. I don't mean that love. I mean the love that brings us to our knees, weeping when we realize that like the song Amazing Grace, we've been blind to the ways we have broken the hearts of the brokenhearted. The love that, that uh, shows us that uh, our pride has made us deaf to the cries of the homeless and the hungry. This is the love that Christ comes to bring. This is the gospel that Christ brings to us. It compels us to stop trying to be right or stop trying to be over or better than and to instead listen and be led. The love I'm talking about is the love that calls us from our comfort and our solitude and says, I better get on down here to this church and help in this garden. Or I better get on over here to this kids program and show somebody that they're worth listening to and seeing and knowing. I better go ahead and cook this meal and take it on over here to somebody that I know nobody's checking on and nobody's called to see about. The, the love that I'm talking about is the love that that, that says, I love you and I will show up for you. I believe Christ prepared 
for the eventuality that we would miss the message. You know, the disciples missed the message all up and down, in and out, around and about, time and time and time again. Jesus died for them while they were yet in their sin. Jesus dies for us while we are yet in our sin. And so this sacrifice of love, the sacrifice of heart, the sacrifice of his life covers all the debts that even you and I have run up thousands of years later. Oh man, the, 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 the spirit of Christ has made spaces. And I think spaces like Solomon, where people who are saying, give us this Jesus, actually can find the touch of Christ. But the church has a lot of work to do, and we are not the church alone. And so we've got to get the message. We've got to um, remember to call in those who are pushed out of our churches and pushed out of the schools and pushed out of institutions so that they might have a place to heal and to land and to be loved. Today, as we reflect on Christ's grace, and Christ's love, as we think about being called to the table with Christ, we can say to those who have been pushed out, Black women, Black men, and Black boys, and Black girls, members of the uh, LGBTQIA community, homeless folk, um, folk who have um, sicknesses or um, who are struggling with mental illness, we can be the people that reach out to them to say, I see you, I welcome you, and, and as Jesus has said, your faith it is what's making you whole. Amen. I, we want to be that community and continue to move in that vein and to bring the message of the gospel, which so many have missed over all of these years to as many people and especially our Christian brothers and sisters as we can. The message is Jesus welcomes all of us at the table. The message is Jesus loves all of us so much. The message is that many, many, many years ago, on one certain night, Jesus prepared his heart and his mind and his body um, to meet the need that we had, even seeing our faults. The message is we are forgiven. The message is, from the least to the largest, we all have a chance of a renewed and transformed life. What do you need? It's here at the table. That's the message where Christ is. What all we need is. Do you need love? Like Richard Smallwood says, it's at the table. Forgiveness. It's at the table. A new lease on life. It's at the table. Healing for your soul and your mind and your body. It's at the table. What do you need? That's the message. Christ sends and gives to us and to all. Don't miss the message. Amen.